Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. This week, I'm playing a recording for you. Nick and I tried to go live on Facebook. We had some issues. We ended up in one of the rooms on Facebook, only allowing about 8 to 10 people in there but it did allow us to get some practice going live. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Beginning Homesteading. Hey, there he is. I think you're set up as a room, so you'll have, we'll have to find a way to share this to the other group, or to the, to the page, because it's okay. only in the group. Well, that, that was given a couple options. That's the one I clicked on. I tried to get you to message me first so I could explain it, but... I actually called yeah, you too. I was actually logging in on my phone to see if it gave me different options. So, Heather, can you share this to the Greening page or our personal Facebooks or something? So it makes it a little easier for people to find. Since we're now grossly behind schedule. Oh, it's not that bad. Well, I guess at this point we should probably do something. Yeah, I Heather think has so. posted it. It looks to be all good. So welcome to a tremendous amount of awkwardness or <laughs> realistic sustainability. This is our first attempt, if you couldn't notice, to go live online. We're going to record this or, <laughs> well, <laughs> we would like to record this and hopefully we're recording this so that it can be an episode. If not, it was just a fun experiment. I hope so. It uh, It just says it's on live. I hope, like... That it records it. I know that um, when I've done live things in the past, when I walk and stuff, sometimes I'll do like a little broadcast and it gives me the option to save the video. So that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. We'll have fun with it. It's it's not like we're professionals. No, no. We're doing it for fun and for information. I actually <laughs> anticipated all of this because right now on my notes, it says test technology and then move to awkward open. Listen, I'm glad you're prepared for that. But also, I don't know if you're paying attention to this. Normally, we get online, discuss, and start an episode at 8 o'clock. We don't even start recording until about quarter to 9. So <laughs> we're actually ahead of schedule for our standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I guess that's good. I'll take it. All right. So I'm not going to, I'm going to close this down up here and not even look at it because it's going to bug the heck out of me. So, all right. First things first, this episode is about beginning homesteading because 
as anybody who's listened to this show knows, we try to talk about what is the realistic portion of sustainability, and not everybody can go straight to off the grid. Uh, I'm sure some do. I give them all the cool points in the in the book. It's just there's no way I could do it going straight to off the grid, grow my own food. I would be a heck of a lot skinnier if that was to start tomorrow. I mean, you already do grow pretty much all of your own food. But off the grid doesn't always seem kind of extreme to me. I kind of like that we do this because a lot of times people discuss sustainability. It's fire and brimstone. It's either you're doing nothing for the earth or you're just or you have to be off the grid, living in a hammock, wearing grass around your feet. And it's, it's terribly funny to say that. But that's kind of the picture some people paint, you know. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. We didn't make the earth the way it is in a day. It's going to take little steps to get us to improve it a little bit. You do what you can. Because if you tell everybody that they have to do everything, then most people choose nothing. And that's why we are where we are today. Because a lot of climate concerns and sustainability concerns have been voiced since as early as into the 50s about scarcity and some of the problems that we have. But because they say you must do this over this huge amount of work, people go, yeah, I don't have time. I've got to go to work. I got to do this. So this show really talks about picking something and going with it. Do one little thing. And each little thing is an accumulation. Once you get good at something, you move to the next something. So that's how I want to frame this discussion right now. We're talking about homesteading, and a lot of people are going to think that we're talking farms. We're not necessarily doing that. We're talking about the little things we can do to reduce the amount of necessity we have on on society around us. We want to sustain ourselves just a little bit more today and then a little bit more tomorrow. If we go every day improving a tiny bit on what we did the day before, eventually we'll be amazed how far we come. And I will say this, the best thing about doing it like this is it's an easy way to acclimate yourself to a new way of living. It's an easy way to get educated and things you can do to change. But most importantly, these are all painless ways to improve your quality of health, your quality of living, and a lot of ways your mental wellness without really influencing your life in a harsh or really abrasive way. Well, and I'll tell you, some of it is hard. I tried to pick something simple. I tried to go with eating lower on the food on the food chain. It's not always the easiest to do because, man, I'm so used to my habits and I'm so used to the foods I eat, and it is more challenging. But it's more rewarding when I accomplish it, and I'm getting closer every single day. So when we talk about homesteading, it's really kind of a lifestyle change. And that's what I'm trying to do is create a different diet for a family who's revolting against it in many (laughs) ways. My children don't always love the small portions of meat. They start running back to the stove. Where's the rest of it? Well, that was the rest of it. We're, (laughs) We're trying to grow more of the food we eat. Well, that's part of the thing is we've discussed this before. Uh, we were raised in the mentality of, you know, you have to eat your meat and potatoes. It was really hard to get past the idea that you don't actually have to have meat when you eat. And there's nothing wrong with meat. I think meat is delicious. I had I had chicken tonight that we grew ourselves, if you will. We got it as a little chick. We raised it. I did not do the butchering part of it. We sent that to a place in um, Duran that does that. It certainly was delicious. <laughs> well, it's funny because some things can start as a hobby. And I'll tell you, 
you, my garden started as a hobby. I, I built the raised beds. I thought it was going to be interesting. And then I started to produce a tremendous amount of vegetables. So then now we've got a, a well-developed strawberry patch. So this year should be the first year for a lot of strawberries and we'll grow from there. And as some of you already know, my basement is got quite a few plants starting already growing. Some of those are the slow grow peppers and tomatoes and things that I'll put in the garden because you got to germinate them. It takes forever to grow them. Some of them are going to live in the, in the basement. We have garlic, green beans, sweet peas, things that are actually growing in there that I'm going to try to produce food for the home. So it can start as a hobby and then kind of get out of hand at times. So Nick, you have chickens, and I want to talk about the chickens, honestly, because as a kid, I grew up with chickens. Thanks, Mom. I know you're out there. I want to say hi. We had chickens as a kid, and I did not appreciate chickens as a kid. That was not a fun thing to have when I was a child. Now, as an adult, that could be a little different. So you went into chickens. Did you have it all figured out right from the get-go? You knew what you were getting into? (laughs) No, actually, I fought it tooth and nail. I didn't really want chickens. Uh, It was my wife's idea. It was the best idea we've ever had. Now that I like it, I'm taking credit for it. Totally not my idea. She wanted chickens, and she wanted to have a chicken coop. And I went, oh, free eggs, sweet. That was my entire way of thinking on it. I had no idea what we were getting into. And I say that because there's lots of little things you don't consider when you decide to have a new kind of pet because essentially we're not these specific birds we're not slaughtering they are raised for eggs oftentimes the kids will go out there and play with them they are essentially pets live outside that produce delicious delicious eggs and they are fantastic so no i didn't have everything figured out i had an idea my thought process was well you get little chicks you put them under a lamp, feed them. They get bigger, eventually the eggs. I didn't know what kind of maintenance or upkeep they would need. I also didn't know if there was a certain amount. I also didn't know how many we were allowed to have in the township. I didn't know if you had to have certain permits because we're not a farm. We don't really have livestock. I mean, we have dogs. We have normal pets. So I had to start doing research and start looking around to make sure I wasn't going to step in anyone's toes and make sure if we were going to do it, we were going to do it the right way. Okay. So you didn't quite have the idea when you first stepped into it. When you when it started to happen was it fun mm-hmm. or was it work when you first started getting chickens and you had to do something with them was it was it fun or was it work it was both honestly we decided to build our own coop that was that was a lot of work thank the lord for my stepdad he is a like great guy when it comes to building that kind of stuff so he had told us to get the lumber and he'd build it so we did he worked on that. My wife, Heather, went and picked out you know, some chicks. And I, to me, I, prior to this, I couldn't have told you one kind of chicken apart from the other. I truthfully didn't know there were so many varieties and breeds. Mm. And so we had a bunch of tiny little chicks. And to be honest, my first impression of them was, oh, my God, these are adorable because they hardly move and they just chirp and they, they sit there under a lamp and they're precious. And within a couple of days, they started to move around more. Within a couple of weeks, they were huge. At one point, they were too big to be in the pen we had, but too small to be in the next pen we had so we had to stick them in a dog crate because we had nothing to put them in and they're way too small to be outside when you have chickens you have to keep them in indoors so they stay nice and warm and it protects them from predators because they're not big enough to protect themselves or to hide or to run they're very defensive okay so okay so i'm sure there were surprises as you went on you knew you needed a structure you knew nature would try to take those Mm -hmm. birds from you what were some of the good surprises getting chickens and what were some of the bad okay the 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 best surprise I will I will give you is that they are the best garbage disposal nature invented. Those animals will eat literally anything. Also, it gives you a new perspective over you know your relationship with nature. You have this animal 
I can call them pets. They're not mm-hmm. pets in the traditional sense. We feed them, we we own them, they live with us, but they they exist for a purpose. They produce eggs, we eat the eggs. Every time they lay eggs, it saves on what we're going to spend at the grocery store. It's one less cart we have to have. You know, it's a little less waste. I think that the best surprises were the ones I didn't expect. If that makes any kind of sense, I understand the notion of a surprise is something unexpected, but a lot of times when you go into these situations, you have literally no idea what you could expect. You have these ideas, but just because you have a set of ideas that you focus on and you want to manifest, it doesn't really mean they're you know grounded in reality. And mm-hmm. mine weren't. I had literally no idea. I will tell you exactly what I thought. I seen a meme on Facebook or a little video of this giant rooster who comes walking out of a a chicken pen and it's like three and a half feet tall and on the bottom it said brahma and i went i want those because it was huge i'm thinking it's gonna lay an egg the size of a softball yeah they're not that big (laughs) (laughs) at all Uh, i mean it's it's been a roller coaster it's been cool though well and okay so you have chickens you feed the chickens how has it changed your diet? How has it changed what you're eating? Are they supplying enough eggs? Are you getting some meat from those chickens? Okay, so we have raised meat birds, and we will be doing it again uh, when it warms up. The The chickens we get eggs from are not the same ones we eat. They're, they're completely different. Uh, we have Brahmas, the Jersey Giants, and then we have two other varieties that I do not remember. The meat birds, the meat birds are one of the kind of the bad surprises. The meat birds are are bred uh, to just grow and grow and grow. The older they get, the bigger they get. They never stop growing. They're specifically designed to produce meat. We joked around last time we talked about this, about how one would sit next to the food dish, but that's the truth. When we took them to get to get butchered, several of them hadn't even developed feathers on most of their body because they grew mm-hmm. so fast. They were delicious. I mean, they're very tasty. But it was very sad to watch this this bird, which is plenty of room to move around. It's just by design, eats and eats and eats. The egg-laying birds, yes, produce plenty of eggs. They actually went for about three months where they just stopped producing eggs. And my only thought was that because this is our first year, maybe they weren't fully mature enough to produce eggs continuously. I'm not sure. But now that they're laying again, we get between 10 to a dozen and a half almost every day. It gets insane. We have, I think, five or six dozen in the fridge right now. We have a lot of eggs. Well, and I'm pretty lucky because I can get eggs from you. Sure can. I can get eggs from our sister. Mm Mm-hmm. And if and if she was here right now, we would put a fern in front of her because that's how we that's how we take our pictures now. Did you did you um, did you see the comment thread? She said, "I bet you can't crop me out of this comment thread." <laughs> we could give me a minute. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we also have Megan. You know, our my stepsister brings eggs, so I'm lucky. Everybody has chickens but me, but I get all the eggs. Which, by the yes. way, I just want to say, since everybody's here, I'm out of eggs. I could. I could use some eggs, but the concept of homesteading is so that we stop buying those things from the store. It's it's very interesting because the economic side of it, yes, eggs are very inexpensive. But the funny part is, is in the summertime here in Michigan, you can get a dozen eggs for a quarter, 35 cents, because so many people here have chickens with eggs. So now the grocery stores are almost giving away eggs all summer long. Because so many people are giving their friends all the extra eggs. Well, yeah, I will. There's a lot of people that are doing this. I think it's kind of funny during COVID that a lot of people decided to grow. I said grow, 
race chickens. Uh, there were oftentimes we would go to different stores to get supplies for it and they'd be out of feed or they'd be out of the fencing or they, they couldn't keep it in stock because it became like the new fad for things mm-hmm. to do. Ironic, we didn't know that when we decided to do it. We just decided, you know, she's always talked about wanting to do chickens and um, of all the things, you know, to raise that for me seemed like that'd be the safest one just because they're small. They're kind of, you, you forget they're there. If you don't have a rooster, I do. But if you don't, you forget they're there. And it's been wonderful. I, I really love how popular that's becoming. I really like how active people are becoming and producing their own food and enriching their own life and their diets. Well, it does kind of connect you to your food. And that is part of that eating lower on the food chain and homesteading is being a part of what you grow. Okay, so first of all, I think the eggs are, they taste dramatically different when they come from home chickens. And I'm not necessarily sure why. I don't understand. I'm sure it has to do with the feed. But that's why I'm always begging you guys for eggs. They taste so much better. The yolk has a much richer flavor on top of being a very, like a very dark orange. I have noticed that when I use the, like the homegrown eggs Mm -hmm. um, or the farm fresh nuggets, if I can say that without getting sued, when I use the yolks and cake batters and and making custards and stuff, it has a much fuller flavor by the time you add the sugar and stuff. And when you use the the store-bought eggs, it's just kind of flat and they're, I mean, they're still edible. If you have store-bought eggs, don't go throw them away. They're just not quite as good as the, you know, the farm fresh ones. And we feed our chickens everything. Right. So what would you change going back, thinking from what it was from the very beginning to where you're at now? Is there anything you would change? I would honestly, yes. I would have did more homework on on the requirements for chickens. And when I say requirements, I don't mean like laws or things that your township or city might say. I mean, so predators, how many different predators are there that are going to kill a chicken? Well, Everyone thinks of like coons and, and maybe maybe possums. I'm not sure if they do. But then there's hawks and there's owls. So they have to have a covering from the top and the bottom. They have to have firm fencing on, on the outside. They have to have enough room to move around, though. You also don't want your chickens to be caged and not be able to be functional. They're not going to be healthy and lay great eggs if they can't move around and you know, do what chickens do. So I would have done more research on that because we, did uh, we didn't lose chickens. We lost okay. some ducks. Uh, when we started this whole process. So we lost four baby ducks to what all I can assume is an owl. So I would have did more research with that. I would have probably just purchased a coop instead of having someone make one. I, I We spent a lot of materials and my chickens have a huge run. They have plenty of room, but I would have probably just maybe bought a coop instead. I think would have saved us a little bit of money and saved us a lot of time. Well, because I think there's a lot of people out there who would like to have chickens or like the concept of getting chickens. As you know, because you were at the house preparing for this yesterday and we were having discussions with the the city of Durand about people wanting chickens even in the city, which we'll get to in a minute. But do you have any advice that you would give someone who wants to have chickens? Uh, Yeah. First and foremost, figure out why you want to have chickens. Are you looking to raise them for meat? Do you want eggs? Do you think that it would just be a cool thing to have around? Um, Also, are you going to free range them, which essentially means they just kind of go wherever they want all over your property? Or are you going to have a run for them? Figure out if you have children, how are you going to explain this process to your kids? If you're raising meat birds and your children get really attached, are you going to be able to explain the impact and what it means? Because no matter what age, if your child's attached to an animal, and the animal's been for food, you understand where this is going. You were raised with it, you know. So I I think that there's a lot of things they can look into. Um, Oh, and 
check the kind of species. You know, chickens are cool to have around. And I personally, we have one rooster, and he is super loud and very obnoxious. If you live in a small township or if you do live in a city that happens to allow chickens, make sure you know what you're buying. Some species are going to be a little more active than others. They're going to be a little more talkative than others. My rooster, the moment he wakes up to the moment that lovely bird goes to sleep, all he does is cockatoodle do. Okay. <laughs> Which is one of those discussions we have for the city. We've talked about the chickens, and that isn't the only thing that falls within homesteading. It just happens to be the first real thing that you guys did, and you did it at a, at a, in a bigger scale. Because how many chickens do you have? Ten? Uh, 15. 15. So to me, that's a bigger scale. It's more than three or four. So there are other things. I mean, when we think about homesteading, it's not just raising livestock. You know, you do have, yes, they can do chickens. Yes, you can have pigs. Yes, you could even have cows. But canning, preserving your own foods. We all know that I have gardens and I like to, to get as much food as humanly possible. I don't freeze. I don't can yet. That's like the next like next level of what I'll do right now. I still give all of my extra food to my community and Duran. We have a, we call it a share market. It's a market for free food. It's just a stand that everybody in town puts their extra vegetables and fruits into. I've even seen a few people throw a couple of can items up there, but it really is just the community gardens and we give it away to whoever wants it. You've seen me swap food. I'll take something I grew a lot of, swap it out for something I didn't get that year. So I haven't done the preserving or any of the canning yet. I Yeah, I mean, that's something you're going to have to get into. It will, I think that will depend on if you can produce enough to keep your siblings satiated with your delicious produce. And... <laughs> And still have enough for the share stand, which I really thought was your kitchen counter. But preserves are awesome. And I say that because you can't get your fresh. Wow. Sorry, guys. You cannot get fresh produce that's as delicious as yours year round. So I think that preserving like the tomatoes in a sauce or if you do really well with fruit, maybe some freezer jam with your strawberries would be wonderful. I think one of the easiest things I should have been doing is I usually get a lot of green beans. You do a lot of green beans and you can you know soak those and flash freeze them and, and put them in bags and, and have them all year round but that's also part of homesteading because that's allowing me to not have to always grow it in the winter but have some stored in a sense jamie talked about doing spaghetti sauces and stuff like that i would have to learn it i just have no idea how to do it but that's there's we have friends and family who make soap when I first started dating Jameson, we used to, she used to make your own laundry detergent. These are all things that piece by piece allow you to buy less things at the store. You're using your own reusable containers and you're, you're creating way less waste. I think that's half true. I think that it's a give and take. I think there are a few things that you can do in terms of homesteading, and you, you brought this one to my attention by saying doing your own soap. You're actually purchasing more things from the store and you produce more containers because of the ingredients that you wouldn't normally have to buy. But at that point, you have a complete control as to what goes in your soap. There isn't anything extra, no extra heavy metals, there's no extra fillers. So you lower the, the chance of allergic reaction or maybe you have sensitive skin or something. You get to completely influence what goes on your body, which I think is very valuable. And since most of those containers come in hard plastic buckets, you can reuse all of them. I'm, they're not a one-time thing. We're not going to dabble into the embodied energy of those items because as long as you continue to use those for something else, then they come in handy a lot. Yeah, you, as long as we're using it up, we're creating our own and we're using it up and we take those containers and we refill them with everything. Jamie's bucket for her laundry detergent has the ingredients written on the bucket and 
she just keep reuses the same bucket over and over and over again. I love that. So it is also, you know, soaps, cleaners, canning, your vegetables, but also just simply reducing. That's one thing people don't realize is when, when someone chooses to homestead, you don't have a choice but to reduce. You, you tend to collect water, so you use less water because you're, you're now rationing it. You're, it doesn't matter if you're trying to live off the grid. A lot of people don't know necessarily what that means. As an energy nerd, I know it takes a lot to live off the grid or you greatly reduce. Absolutely. Now, I, when you say live off the grid, uh, I'm greedy. The only thing I honestly think of, or at least the first thing, is I don't have to pay consumers anymore. But there is a lot of things people don't really consider. The water is a huge one. If you live off the grid, that means you don't have, you know, a well generally, or you don't have, you know, city water. So you have to produce your own water, whether it be collecting rainwater or finding natural springs and stuff. And making sure it's clean and, and, and safe to drink is a big thing. And then what are you going to do with the water after it's dirty? Like, what do you do with, with your laundry water or your dish water? You have to find a way to recycle that. So at least I would say. Well, and the greatest thing about water is, is un- unless you're dealing with radioactive material, you can clean it. That's why I get so frustrated. Everybody, here gets, everybody hears me get so mad about purchasing bottled water. To the point where I have family members who are quite annoyed when I when I start barking about it because water is generally water and you can filter water to water. It is this is the special clean water. Clean water is clean water. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you've paid seven dollars a gallon or seven cents a gallon. If it's clean water, it's just water. You know, so it's important to use it with respect. At this point. We don't. Water is abused greatly, and that's its own little thing. But there's also the fact, I always talk about off the grid, off the grid, off the grid. And when I say that, I mean energy. It does mean water and other things, because that's for <laughs> sewer <laughs> is another thing that you have to worry sure about. <laughs> and if you watch any show about homesteading, they go straight to composting toilets. But it doesn't mean you can't build a septic system. It doesn't mean, I mean, you can build a septic system out of rubber tubs that you get from goodwill. There's ways to do these things. But the thing I always want to tell everybody is you can't just throw a couple of solar panels up and fire up the microwave. It's just not going to happen. You had to pick the microwave. (laughs) Well, I don't always pick the microwave. It's just the easiest one. Usually things with heat, but you can replace that with propane grills. But microwaves, I always say, if you've got a couple of panels and a car battery and you want to use the microwave, enjoy the brownout. Uh, you're correct. The microwave pulls an immense amount of power. So would an electric oven that pulls a huge amount to heat those two elements up in there. I think that one's hilarious. And yeah, it takes a lot to produce that much electricity. People don't really comprehend how much power they go through. Think about all the different devices in your home. And this goes to anyone listening to this. Do you have cell phones? Do you have tablets, other computers, video game systems, you know, clocks, LED lights, huge televisions, washing machines, furnaces, water heaters? Like if any of that's electric, it's constantly pulling a charge. It's pulling juice. And if you don't have access to electricity or if you choose to go off the grid, you have to find a way to supplement all of that or reduce it to the barest, you know, necessity of what you need. Yeah, I mean, just the fact of plugging it in. Standby, resistance, all these things are going to use your electricity. If you went on vacation, you still get an electrical bill because you're still using some electricity. 
And I don't mean from the you know refrigerator, which is obviously still doing its job, or the sadly the water heater is another example where it just keeps reheating the same water until we decide we want hot water. That energy has got to be budgeted totally different, just straight homesteading and taking care of themselves. That's why little pieces. Someday, I think if you've listened to some of the shows, everybody knows that Jamie and I's plan is to someday retire in Hawaii on the big island, the, the nature island. When that happens, it's energy budget time because <laughs> half of those places are not on the grid. We will have to, and that's what, one of the reasons why I love my wife so much. She's fully capable of just living on no electricity if needed, where I am the problem. I am the one who's a little more needy. And by a little more, I mean a uh, lot. You are a lovely middle-aged toddler. It is true. And I'm on my way there. <laughs> hey, I, I camp now. No, me too. I mean, it's in a Ish. big fancy camper that she bought so that I would go. But yeah, I do camp. So it's, I'm growing. I'm so proud. Thank you. I, you. I needed you <sighs> to say that. All right. So I know this is... This is just a glaze over the top when we start talking about homesteading because there's permaculture. There's all these different things we can do to do the job and do it right and do it well. But I think this episode is really just a basic discussion of what it takes because we eat a lot. We use a lot. We consume a lot. So if we spend this time learning to reduce, because again, recycle is your last option. We want to refuse we want to reduce we want to reuse everything we can it saves you money and it reduces the amount of total waste so that when you do start moving in that direction to know where your food came from because you grew it either livestock or vegetables and fruits then you're already to a point where you're not consuming as much i think that policing your own life with your consumption of these different types of materials and resources. Sounds a little harsher than what it may actually mean, but you did hit the nail on the head when you talk about like savings. And, and when you mentioned recycling, if we did a better job controlling how much we waste and how much we use and when we spend things we don't need to, we wouldn't have to recycle nearly as much. Not that I don't think it's necessary. Of course, recycling is necessary. But why would you choose to just create waste mm -hmm. if you don't have to? It's a lot simpler. We joke around a lot about, you know, buying the same dollar item five times instead of buying the $5 item once. But that's, it's fairly accurate. And I understand that, you know, sometimes necessity is what it is. Sometimes you just need something in that moment and you take care of business and get it done. But if you have the time, if you have the, you know, the foresight to think about, well, maybe I should just wait until I can buy something where I don't have to buy it again where I don't have to worry about it breaking and then having to do something with, there's a lot of different things. I look at TVs, you used to part TVs out and essentially recycle them. That's what, pretty much what you did. You'd buy pallets of broken televisions. Imagine the amount of people that have those broken appliances and don't know what to do with them. They just get stacked up in their homes or in their basements because they cost $500 or because they cost $1,000. They have this investment. They don't know what to do with because it's broke. They can't afford to pay someone to repair it. So they go buy a cheaper one and right. it just sits there. Yeah, the, the amount of waste is staggering. Another problem you have with homesteading is where you live. Now, just because I live in the city does not mean that I can't produce a good chunk of my food. If I learn to can, if I learn to make my own noodles, which I don't know how to do, if I 
<laughs> I hope so. It would be cool if I could. Stupid. Stupid. My small garden. And I have, I think I've posted a picture of my raised beds. So I have really, it's really a small space. But the amount of food that I can get from it is enough for my family to get sick of it and give it to the community. And when you say a small space, I don't think people understand how small you're talking. Your garden is what? Maybe 12 to 15 feet wide by about five to six feet deep. I mean, it's very, very and it's small. Not, it's not that whole space because it's a raised no. bed. looks like an, an E or a three, depending on the direction you're looking at it. But it is enough to produce a tremendous amount of food. Enough, like I said, not just for us, but we give it away to the community. And now, now that we're, and I, if, you're, if you're listening to this, work with your town, work with your city, because your voice does matter. I'm part of the planning commission. Yesterday I was voted vice chair. I get to help make decisions in this city. It has been discussed and it looks like we're going to get to a point where we're, we're going to change the flowers in town to plants that can be eaten. That greenage can be lettuce. It can be strawberries. We can have rhubarb coming across. That is going to start this year. We will document it on the site. We will try to hold some episodes about it. I want to see how it goes because not only in a city can I grow my own food to the point where I can give some away, but we can plant some apple trees. We can have some grapevines on the baseball home run fence. We can have food everywhere for everyone at any time. I championed that so much when we first discussed that, the edible landscaping. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the best thing I've heard so far that has come out of you being associated with Duran and doing what you do. And I think it's wonderful. I think it is absolutely the most amazing thing that you could influence with the city, especially with the trees, where that's concerned. Because we, we had that big mm -hmm. talk, and I think that's beautiful. Also, being a guy who loves to cook, I love fresh produce. I love, like, beautiful apples that are fresh or grapes or any of that stuff. It's wonderful. And I'm a little jealous. I kind of want to move there now. <laughs> well, and here's the deal. If any of you get a seat somewhere in your city or anybody is advocating with the city and you don't know the answer, because people are going to say some even mean things. They're going to say some pretty ridiculous reasons why you can't do it. Send me that message. We will answer that question because there's very few of those questions that are, are answer things that they're going to ask you that are valid. Almost every one of those is just either silly or mean spirited. So if you don't know the answer, send us a question. We'll answer it because every city in America should feed its residents just through its tax dollars. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. And I can I can just imagine some of the questions that, that people will get or some of the statements people are going to make because we've talked about this kind of stuff. And the first thing is, well, who's going to who's going to maintain those plants? Who's going to pick up the apples when they fall? It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be a mess. Or who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And the question is the same people who already clean up your sidewalks and pick up your leaves, the same people who already take care of the, the, the ice and the snow throughout the city, mm -hmm. the people that that maintain the city are still going to be there. They're still going to do their job maintaining things. What people don't understand is once it becomes commonplace that everything essentially is edible and it becomes common knowledge that it's free, anyone can take it. There'll be less to clean up. I'm not saying there won't be a mess, but you're, you're going to have animals like squirrels and rabbits and stuff are going to eat the fruit and they're going to eat the flowers and they're going to eat the berries and the people are going to come and they're going to, they're going to grab an apple 
it's going to be a lot simpler in that regard, as long as it's common knowledge as to the reason it's there. If the public is educated and why it's being done in a clear and concise, transparent way, it should go over smoothly. And this is granted, this is my opinion. We don't have that here in Montrose. I, I don't think we do. But I'd like to believe that once people seen the good it could do, they'd, they'd stand behind it and they'd be willing to, to embrace it. Because I understand, just like you do, people fear what they don't understand. You had to know it was coming. Um, uh, no, I was looking at the chat. Um, Megan asks, would we rather eat vegetables from a garden for six months or hunt a deer? And the answer to that would be um, somewhere in between. I'm not a hunter. I do enjoy fresh venison, and I do love vegetables from the garden. So I would say both because you have to eat your meat and your veggies. Well, and I want to make sure I say this because this is realistic sustainability is supposed to take some of those sustainability issues that people argue about the rhetoric and kind of clear them up. I'm going to say it now. Hunters are not bad. They are usually the most respectful people to nature. The vast majority of hunters respect nature more than most people on a daily basis. I would not hunt personally unless I was forced to. If I needed to, I could do it. I choose not to. I try to I'm trying to minimize my meat intake anyways. So I try to stay between four, six ounces of meat per meal. So for me, a whole deer could last a long, long time. I look at it this way. Everything takes a community. I grow lots of vegetables. The person down the road shoots the deer. Together, we eat well. Thank you for the question. And I I hope I actually answered it in the spirit you asked it, but that's just how I feel about this. I want to go back to the Duran discussion. Yeah, I, I, I personally want everybody to be involved in their city. I want them to speak about the realities of feeding the community. But there's also, it goes beyond that. It goes to also having chickens. It also having bunnies or, you know, rabbits. Because that's what we discussed last night, is that in the city of Duran, there are people who already have chickens. It's illegal. And being a voice on that board, I don't want raising food to be illegal, but I need it balanced with respect to my neighbor. And it is very important that we remember that. I'm not going to put an apple tree to where it's always going to fall in the street and it's always going to fall in the walkways. We're going to be strategic about what we do so it doesn't cause that grief. And yes, the same people who sweep the leaves is going to sweep the rotted apples. And maybe maybe for the first year, we will start the compost pile that we should have instead of just throwing it all in a landfill. Here in Duran, we're looking into allowing a certain amount of small livestock because it is important that people know where their food comes from. And if they choose to do it, we want to give them that opportunity. Absolutely. And you wouldn't be the first city that feels that way. There are several cities across our state that do allow small breeds of hens, specifically Mm -hmm. hens, to live in the city with them. And I say hens because any female egg-laying bird is considered a hen, whether it be a duck, a goose, a chicken, guinea, any of them. Farm animals technically are not allowed in city limits. So it's up to small little you know, um, communities like Durand to decide whether or not they're going to allow it. I, I was really impressed at some of the things I heard in that meeting that you had with some of the comments made back and forth. I did laugh at a couple, to be honest. 
but there's a lot of good uh, good ideas they're pushing. And I think that if your community wants chickens or if the vast majority of people want a, a hand in how their food's grown, fed, raised, then I think they should be supported. I don't ever think that should be um, turned down or belittled. I think it's a wonderful well, that, thing. Well, that's somewhat it's new to me. Your video that you made not too long ago looking at your potato patties or your hash browns was a little surprising. You made a video looking at the ingredients of, of your hash browns, which is supposed to be just potato squished. It, it, it isn't. Our food is primarily fillers. In our food waste episode, we, we talked about regulation, like how many rat hairs are allowed in our peanut butter, how many fly pieces can be in our jelly. We're at that point where our food isn't necessarily always what we think it is. And if we want to know what we're consuming and know what we're eating, the easiest way is to grow it. The easiest way is to grow it. And also, when you start taking more pride in, in the things you consume, you start enjoying certain things more. There is something to be said about doing something yourself. And there's nothing wrong with taking pride in, in something like your tomatoes. I can't talk enough about your tomatoes. They're amazing. I don't eat them. They're delicious. You know, that's that's amazing too. But there is something to be said about that. You know, you make fresh salsa or you make a great tomato sauce with this this beautiful organic product. And when I say organic, I don't mean organic in the way that we mean it. I mean it in the sense that the common way to think about it is that there's no added, you know, pesticides, hormones, blah, blah, blah. It's just a natural plant. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of that. It's delicious. More people should be proud of the things they produce. They should be proud of those chicken eggs or that deer that, you know, you shot the first time. Like, you should be proud of doing anything that makes your family's life richer. So anybody out there who makes their own soaps, thank you. Anybody out there that grows some of their own food, thank you. If you have too much, give it to a neighbor. It's okay. It is not going to be a problem if people have too much food. It's one thing in this country. We waste 40% of all food produced, yet there's still a tremendous amount of people who are hungry. Everybody know, Anybody who knows me knows that I taught STEM in Flint. On the north end of Flint, kids don't eat unless they're in school a lot of times. Food should be everywhere. They shouldn't scrape up a dollar to go to the corner store and get a bag of chips. They should reach up and grab an apple. They should be able to walk over to the corner where they have this big cement thing where they've always had plants and pick some strawberries or blueberries. Anybody should be able to find food in their community free and easy and healthy every day. So thank you for everybody who does this, tries this, even at the smallest level, because I'll tell you, I am not home. I am not homesteading. My house uses a tremendous amount of energy. We are not where we want to be on our diet. We grow what we can, and I'm learning through mistakes. But every day we get a little better, little bit, little bit, big bit. Someday, all these little actions not only will change our children's minds so that they grow up doing the same thing, but maybe even your neighbors. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all of you who like went through and watched us screw up a hundred times attempting <laughs> to get this video to work. Next time, we we got it. We'll we'll get it. But I greatly appreciate it, Nick. Uh, way to put me on the spot. I was just making sure you were done, giving you time <laughs> to hit the brakes. Thank you, thank you for everyone that did listen to this. That has posted questions or talked in the comments. 
that enjoys watching us be a couple of buffoons, I do appreciate it. And if we do say anything that sparks an interest or if we give you any ideas, anything at all, let us know. If we make a terrible mistake and you want to smack us in the face with some truth, let us know. We appreciate the time you spend with us, and we appreciate you taking time to watch us grow and learn how to be more sustainable. Because at the end of this, we're all in this together. It takes a village. It takes a community to grow and to move forward. And for this world of ours to survive, humanity has to move forward. We have to grow. Well, and keep comments coming. I'm shocked, by the way, we're over 2,000 downloads in like three and a half months. So thank you, everybody. That's kind of cool. I love the fact that sometimes I wake up and there's a picture of a tortoise or someone is telling me a story about how they've changed something. I, that, that makes my day. Thank you. I'm honored. I greatly appreciate it. And if you've listened to any of our shows or have gone onto the website and seen the extras, you know I cannot actually get us into a close. So there is zero things I can do to close this correctly. I'm either going to tell Nick to close it or we're all going to sit here and stare at each other. <laughs> well, okay. Um, thank you for saying that. And thank you for mentioning the tortoise. I did enjoy Lightning. that far more than you did. Fastest uh, tortoise You'd ever. be amazed. He's, he's quick. He's no Bertha Turtle, but he's, he's, he's quick. So on behalf of Michael and myself and everyone that is a member of Greening, thank you so much, and we hope to see you next time we do this. If you have any ideas or any concepts you want us to look into, anything you want us to explore or maybe get the um, details on, please contact one of us and let us know what you want to hear us talk about, and we will catch you guys next time. Remember, if it's out of the landscape, eat it up. Bye, everybody. Bye. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? Then Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org.